Houston, it's rodeo time. Your local Tacova store is the place to go for the finest handmade cowboy boots, jeans, belts, cowboy hats, and apparel for men and women. If you've never owned boots before, let them help you get your first pair like they did for me. Stop by one of your local Houston Tacova stores and get ready for the rodeo with their understated approach to Western. Whether it's your first rodeo or your seasoned pro, your local Tacova store is the place to go for rodeo season. Tacovas, don't go gently. Hey everyone, it's Raheel. By now, all of us have felt inflation's cruel grip on our pockets, but are all the scary headlines about inflation really true? We're bringing back University of Houston adjunct professor, who is also TikTok's unofficial economist, Chris Clark, to break down how inflation is really impacting us. It's Monday, April 10th. I'm Raheel Ramsnali, and here's what Houston is talking about today. Chris, welcome back to CityCast Houston. How are you? I'm great. I'm so happy to be here again. All right. So I want to start on a really easy question and on a high note before things get really dark and yeah. people get sad about yeah. inflation and recession and all of that. An easy one. So what exactly is inflation? Because I've heard about it. I think everyone is hearing the term and they know kind of what it is, but what's the economic definition of it? Absolutely. There are thousands and thousands of prices in our economy. Some prices go up, some prices go down. But in our heads, it's impossible to keep track of thousands or even millions of prices in the economy. So uh, we have to summarize it in some way. And the inflation rate is the average growth of all of the prices in an economy for uh, the average urban American household. And so the, the current number, uh, if we compare March 2023 compared to March 2022, the average prices for the average urban American household have mm. gone up by 6%. Is that rate re like historically high? Is that normal? Where does that measure? Right. So in the context of the American economy, this is uh, higher. It's unusual. Um, but we've seen more than that in the 1970s. That's kind of the, the previous last historical period of inflation in our, in our recent memory. All the big oil shocks in the 1970s. We peaked at around 14% at that point. But, but for the whole decade almost, inflation was running at 10 plus percent for nearly that whole decade. Uh, much worse situation that we saw now. Uh, in our current bout of inflation, we're on the good side. Uh, we're, we're coming down from that hill. We peaked at 9% last July, and it's been slowly coming down. Now we're down to 6% uh, with the most recent readings. Okay, Chris, so you're really big on perception versus reality, right? Media headlines versus what actually is happening for the everyday person. So what is the perception of inflation versus the reality of inflation? Yeah, so the University of Michigan does these consumer sentiment surveys every month. And one of the questions they asked is, how often do you hear about inflation? And when we look at the numbers, people perceive or they, they experience or the, that the media is talking about inflation more today than mm -hmm. what people perceived way back in the 70s when actual measured inflation was even worse. So... Uh, what we hear in the media, we always hear the, you know, the new inflation reports. Everyone's quite worried about it. And there's reasons to be. We don't like inflation. Um, 
But the the level of inflation, six percent, is a high level, but it's not uh, it's not catastrophic. It's not it's not something that we've seen in other parts of the world. Uh, so take for example the Germany, famously in the 1920s with their hyperinflation, their prices were in the tens of thousands of percent per year. I mean, it's 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 not even something we can comprehend. And even closer to home, Argentina this past month logged 100% inflation over wow. the past 12 months. So our 6% inflation, it's higher than normal. We would like a number closer to two. Uh, but in terms of, you know, the whole spectrum of what a, an economy can experience, I would classify it as not great, uh, could do better, but it's not catastrophic. So going from 9% to 6%, that is a good, you know, decrease in that. That yeah, helps a yeah. lot. It really um, does, and then yeah. there's always numbers coming out that might show that, you know, it's marginally getting lower. But in the big picture, that is a still big deal because of yeah. how much it impacts, right? But yeah. do you think we're feeling it in our pocketbooks where we are paying less or that, you know, bills are a little bit more affordable now? Is it gotten to that rate? Well, I would say the biggest thing that we could see and feel are the declining gas prices. I mean, if we go back to 11 months ago in May, they peaked. Uh, and ever since May, gas prices have slowly been coming down. And they've kind of been stable for the past few months. Mm. Uh, uh, that's something people people are going to notice because we have these huge signs saying what gas prices are uh, on the roads. I mean, could you imagine if all the other prices in our economy were that out there and in our in our consciousness as gas prices are and yeah. even though gas ga gasoline expenditures the irony of it as an economist is that the gasoline expenditures are a, a relatively small part of the average household's budget uh, they're just one we think about a lot because we're gassing up once a week and we see that price i mean uh, when you buy salt or when you buy bread or uh, how often are you analyzing the price every time that happens you know it's, it doesn't quite have that same salience in our minds yeah, it doesn't. But I do. I'm cheap. I'm like, hey, hold on. Bread has gone up a little bit here. It can has. We, can no, we cut back? True. Yeah. Bread can has, we cut back yeah. a little bit now? <laughs> yeah. I, and in fact, uh, bread and and uh, uh, groceries in general are going yes. up faster than the average rate of inflation than all the overall average prices. I just pulled up the Houston numbers. Um, food at homes, so that's kind of your grocery prices, they have grown 13% over the past 12 months. And dairy and related products, they've gone up 20%. Uh, a lot of that's, of course, the eggs and the avian flu. So it's kind of a, a little narrow explanation there. But yeah, food food is uh, much more expensive than it, than it used to be. And it's growing faster than the overall inflation rate. Yeah, let's stick with that. Is there one factor? I know, I know there's so many different factors, but is there one thing that we can point to why our groceries are going up? I mean, with eggs, Obviously, it's the avian flu that's driving basically the whole story. You know, it's increasing the costs of these firms and those costs get pushed onto consumers. There are a few firms that have gotten lucky with the avian flu and they, they haven't had to experience it. So they're not facing those high costs. And so that means those firms are doing quite well. They're earning a lot of profits off of this situation. Um, but like, is there one factor for inflation overall? Inflation is driven by three things. Number one, you have expectations. Uh, people will set contracts and uh, they have to write a contract and they have to predict what the price is going to be over the next year, two years, or if you're buying a house over the next 30 years. Uh, and if people have beliefs that change about prices, that's going to filter into what prices actually manifest themselves once those contracts are fulfilled uh, later down the line. Luckily, we haven't seen a lot of 
inflation expectations rising. So that's not been the big drive over the past two years. So that's the good news. So the other two reasons are going to be supply and demand. Supplies are going to be things like increased costs, uh, increased shortages. Uh, the ports are being backed up. We can't get the chips to put into our products. Factories in China are closed because of their COVID shutdowns. All of the pandemic-related supply shocks that we've seen, that's been driving a lot of the inflation. But it's not the whole story. And in fact, it's still around. There are still supply shortages, but it's a smaller story today, spring 2023, uh, than it was, say, uh, 18 months ago. So that's going to leave us with the third explanation. If it's not supply, it's going to be demand. Uh, and demand is coming from a very, very tight labor market. And so that's the thing with macroeconomies is not everything goes bad and not everything goes good. We have kind of a, a, a mixture. There's good things happening right now. One of the good things is the unemployment rate is at a 50-year low. We haven't seen a consistent unemployment rate this low since 1969 when we were landing on the moon. Wow. So this is huge. This is great news. Um and the other component is we had a, a very generous stimulus check. It's two years ago now, but people saved a lot of that. And it's still a lot of that money is still being spent. Uh, and so people have uh, more money than they used to, and they're spending it. Uh, and that's going to increase the demand for products. And if supply can't respond, it will result in higher prices. So right now with the 6% rate, yeah. It's still, like you said, look, it's not good. It's not bad. It could yeah. be a little bit better. What are some items that consumers should really avoid during this period? Eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so I, okay. So right. eggs is a good one, but yeah. when I go to my grocery store now, eggs have come back down they to have. normal prices. Like I, I can buy 18 eggs for under seven bucks. And that's about what I was paying, you know, pretty much the last four years for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so... It's tough because some of these things like groceries going up 11 uh, percent, yeah, yeah, there's no substitute for that, you know. And, you, OK, you can eat out. All right. Well, if you look at the, the food away from home, they grew by 9 percent. <laughs> and anyway, mm -hmm. they're more expensive to begin with. So what ends up happening is you try and substitute towards the cheapest products you can find. Uh, when we see revenues of Target compared to revenues of Walmart, for example, uh, Walmart's doing fine. Walmart's doing quite well because people are bargain hunting and people are looking for more cheap deals. You know, shop at Aldi's rather than shopping at HEB, uh, for example. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. that. That's been a big trend for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how, how does this impact low-income families? Because we're seeing cutbacks yeah. on things like SNAP benefits. Um, as you mentioned, some yeah. of the other grocery stores like Dollar Tree might not be carrying certain items now. What kind of impact can low-income families expect here with inflation? Right. So one of the biggest drivers of inflation over the past two years was used vehicles. Uh, but luckily, what we've seen over the past six months is the price of used vehicles has, has gone down. But used vehicles, especially at the, at the beginning, two and a half years ago, they were driving most of the inflation. And that's going to harm people who rely on used vehicles. And here in Houston, it's a, 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 you know, the public transportation is not as dense as, as it would need to be. We need to rely on, on gasoline vehicles to get around. Um, but to the second part of the question... There's some data that isn't getting a lot of attention, uh, that there's been a number of economic papers that, that have uh, explored this, is the question of inflation and household affordability has two components. One are the prices we pay, and those have been going up, and that's bad news. 
But the other is what's been happening to wages, what has been happening to income, our ability to pay for these higher prices. Are we seeing raises that keep up with inflation? Because if we do, then it's no problem. Well, when we look at it, the average household, wages are not keeping up. And so real wages have been declining for three years. But if we look at folks at the top 80%, the situation's actually worse. Their wages are rising even slower uh, than the average person. And then, and here's the good news, if we look at the bottom 30% of the income distribution, their wages have been rising so fast that they're keeping up faster. They're actually surpassing the average rate of inflation. And so what's driving that? Uh, a lot of it uh, that's been driving this is, is, again, this very, very tight labor market, these very, very, unem very, very low unemployment rates. So people, wow. are, people are quitting their jobs, uh, going to find new jobs. If their boss doesn't give them a raise, they go, oh, fine, I'll just go get another one because there's, there's 10 million job openings right now. <laughs> oh, wow. So that, that is some positive news here. There is, yeah. I mean, it's generally, most of the time when bad things happen in the macro economy, it's the bottom half of the income distribution that feels the brunt. And it's, it's terrible. It's a moral atrocity. But here, uh, the very, very tight labor market means wages are rising faster than inflation for the bottom 30% of the income distribution. So with some of that uncertainty fresh on our minds, how can Houstonians still save money and not let this inflation kind of catch up to them? Uh, well, when your cost of living goes up, you need a wait a raise. That's, that's the only way. I mean, you could spend more time bargain hunting, and that can make a little bit of a difference. But in the end, you have to pay for rent. In the end, you have to pay for groceries. Uh, so you, there's not much you can do along that margin. Uh, so you have to do something on the income side. Uh, there, Because we're in a tight labor market, you're in a much stronger position to bargain with your boss than the, the workers have been since 40 years ago. It, it, it's been 40, again, when your unemployment rate's this low, 50-year low, that means none of us in working memory know what it's like to be in a labor market where you can bar have this strong of a bargaining position. And uh, it, it's time to ask for that raise. That's, I like <laughs> it. So the big takeaway here is after you, you get done listening to this episode, walk right into your boss's office, demand that raise. It's got to be a credible offer. You got to have a you know, bargaining <laughs> position can't just be hot air. You got you to have a credible offer. <laughs> I love it. Any final thoughts for our listeners regarding inflation? The final thought would be when we want to know what's going on in the entire economy, we have to have a scope of the entire economy. So you have to look at data that has sampled everybody, not just your own personal experience or the personal experience of your friend, but somebody that's got out and measured everybody's experience to know what's going on. That is huge. That is huge. Chris, thank you so much for spending some time with us. I feel better. Okay, leaving oh, this conversation than good. when I entered. So yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm glad to say we're in uncertain times, but the times are looking to improve in terms of inflation. Perfect. That's great. That was Chris Clark, adjunct professor at UH and assistant professor at Washington State University. You can also follow him on TikTok at Econ Chris Clark. Okay, before we go, we're one step closer to an autonomous future because a Pittsburgh-based company, Aurora, plans to launch fully self-driving 18-wheelers between here and Dallas. The company has been working on this with drivers inside the vehicles for the last year and a half now, and they feel confident they can launch a fully autonomous 18-wheeler fleet by the end of 2024. Wow. Okay, that will do it for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Rahil Ramsnali, and I hope you learned something new.
That's a lot of words.